Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 55 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsors, Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. And Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Try it out free at myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last podcast, we looked at the focus on the next new technologies and ways to pace yourself when, when buying technology. While we were at the ABA Tech Show, we noticed how much more complex and varied personal technology is becoming. And that's starting to change how we think about legal technology, too, in some very practical ways. Tom, do you want to tell them what we'll be talking about in this episode? Sure, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll discuss what we're calling the legal technology multiverse uh, and how legal technology as we know it, we think anyway, is changing forever. In our second segment, we'll take a question from one of our listeners, and as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our first segment, the continuing and often maddening evolution of legal technology. Uh, last time we talked about the, the the curse of the next new technology, and I think we kind of want to extend on that just a little bit this week. I, I know, Dennis, you were telling me about a question you got from a law student. I know you went to talk to some law students lately, and that really opened your eyes to this kind of extended issue on what we talked about in our last episode. Yeah, Tom, I had a great visit at the University of uh, Missouri Law School, talked to a practice management class, you know, one of the, the sort of new trend of of actually teaching some practical uh, skills to students. And so my approach in these sessions is just to open things up to questions and, and almost play like stump the expert with the students. Well, I, I was kind of surprised because the first question I got stumped me for a minute. And and the question was, there was a student who was going to start a firm with a, a couple of their classmates, and they wanted to know what practice management software would be best for a, a startup law office that had a mixed environment of Macs and PCs. And, I, I, you know, it took me a, a couple seconds to figure out how to answer that. And, and what I realized is that, you know, it used to be when people asked about case management or practice management tools, this standard advice had been the same for for years, but this question really pointed out to me how everything's changing, and and it and technology itself is becoming more complex, more varied, and, and really more personalized. I, Tom, I know from the time that we were on the Tech Show board, and you did Tech Show, and we've been involved in talking about a number of seminars, but uh, you know, I think that. For many years, when we would talk about case management, uh, the standard advice and the sort of big two were time matters and amicus attorney. And you'd, there was practice master, abacus, but it was sort of like a standard approach. And, and time, I sort of, when, when you're planning CLEs, it's almost like you would do a shootout between time matters and amicus. But that question really you know, brought it out to me that the the whole environment is changing. I mean, uh, do you get that sense as well? 
I do. And it's really not that question that really brought it home for me. I mean, I, I think that that we're seeing that more and more often back in the day of just to, to, to talk about ABA Tech Show back uh, several years ago, it was easier to have a shootout between two types of, say, practice management software, because you knew that most of the people in the room would be running a Windows platform. And, uh, and, and you'd occasionally get that one person or maybe two people in the back of the room that would raise their hands and say, hey, what about me on, on Mac? And, and you felt safe to ignore that because they, there weren't that many people out there. And, and now that Mac is seeing such rapid and widespread adoption in the legal community, I think that the, and, and, and the question that you got asked really speaks to it. That I think the fact that more and more firms are running in a mixed environment of platforms, um, I think automatically means that the game is already changing. I think it's it's changing now, and I'm really interested, actually, to see how the legal technology providers are going to respond to this, because I it's my impression, and I want to ask you if, if your impression is the same, that they haven't so far, that they're not responding in a way that I think it would be satisfactory to law firms. I think that, that one of the main difficulties and probably why you had to hesitate to answer the question of having a, a Mac and PC environment is that most of the products that are out there right now do not have comparable Mac versions. You know, I went to go look at some of the versions, uh, some of the soft legal technology software that I'm used to. And, uh, and when questions get asked about where's the Mac version, the response to that is that you have to run it in parallels. So if you're going to have a Mac, you've got to to be able to uh, to to run it actually in Windows, also on your computer, which I think may solve the problem, uh, and that may be what lots of firms are doing in order to run the same software on uh, on the same computer. But but I but I do think that that if they don't do that, if they're not doing something like that, then I, I think that where that's leading to, and 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 where our conversation I think is leading to, is cloud-based solutions. Would you agree? Yeah. So when I uh when I, when I pause for a minute to figure out how to answer that, um, I, I I sort of thought through the the whole history of of case and practice management, and and I realized that there are some really interesting options. I mean, you talk about you know maybe I can you know run Windows on on a Mac. Um, I, that's pretty you know complex, I think, to to think about. I mean, it's fairly straightforward how to do it, but I, I think that's it's not really appealing to most lawyers if you say, "Oh, we'll just turn your Macs into into Windows machines for purposes of the practice management tool." But um, really, the, the sort of internet-based solutions, uh, Clio, Rocket Matter, and, and others, uh, really enter into the picture. I think you're right. There's never when we would talk to the people who do say case management tools, there wasn't a big enough market uh, on the Mac platform. For them to, to make a separate version, so I think you see the cloud-based solutions, and then then also you need to take in one of the things I talked to the students about was you need to take into account of, you know, how does how do the programs work with your with the smartphones you're using? What are some of the other issues? What are the types of volume that you have? Um, how sophisticated a package do you do you need? And and I think that because the environment, the technology environment, the platforms uh, are changing. I think it, it it almost requires you to ask much more sophisticated questions um, as you as you look at these different tools. The other thing that really opened my eyes, you know, the more I think about it in tech show, Tom was 
Um, and you came up with, and I think you ran into this as you were uh, putting together plans for your, your book. You know, So you wrote the iPad book. You didn't write the tablet PC book. But I really found that if you were in the, the sort of iPhone, iPad world uh, you know, versus the Android world, and especially when you talk about apps, you were talking about almost two different things. And, and there wasn't a lot of overlap. And there's a, a little bit of a rivalry between those two platforms. And that also makes that your sort of technology world a lot more complex. No, I agree. I, and I think that, that, that legal technology providers really have to, I think they've got two options here when they're looking to decide how do we satisfy folks um, who are living in, in multiple multiple technology universes, whether they're in Mac or PC. And I think that either one, they have to adapt their current software to fit either Mac or PC and be able to handle both and be able to handle both in the same organization. Or they, I think their natural alternative is they have to look at a cloud environment. They have to decide because, and that's what really is, I think, the main benefit of the, the a cloud alternative because they are platform agnostic and they can, as long as you've got an internet connection, you've got access to and can use that tool. Um, now, I think that most all the tools that are available, I cannot think of one that's not available on a Mac or, or not available on a PC. I think you have access to all of them. Now, I think that where, and, and I think you're right, Dennis, the, to, to say to the group of students that you've really got to consider about accessing things on, on both the smartphone, on your iPhone, on your Android phone, maybe on your BlackBerry, or on your iPad as well. And I think that's where things get a little bit more problematic because if you are accessing a cloud service on the computer, I think that that's easy. That's something that, that, that it can come close to simulating the software that you use um, uh, that might be installed locally rather than in the cloud. But it's 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 harder and less friendly to use the web-based version of those services on a smaller device like a smartphone, even like an iPad. And so that's why I think that an app is better than uh, th than using a web-based app or or just the web experience to begin with when you're thinking of these tools. But I think that that's where we actually start to run into even more challenges, because I think that most most legal technology vendors are not only slow to adopt cloud versions of their tool, although I think it's happening more and more often, but even the cloud-based versions that have come out as pure cloud practice management solutions are, have been slow to adopt apps that uh, that work well. They have uh, web apps that help, but I still don't think those are quite as friendly as the regular app. And I think that, that although this can be a Mac versus PC type of discussion, I also think that it's kind of a, an, a, an iOS versus Android discussion too, because we're now starting to branch out to not only the Mac versus PC universe, but also the Android versus iOS universe. Am I getting that right, Dennis? Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think the apps really open up another another big trend that's even more fundamental that, that fascinates me these days is, you know, Tom, as you know, I, I use three or four different browsers and I'm always switching between them. And sometimes I realize that the internet's starting to look a lot different to people and our experiences become a lot different. And you know, and apps play a, a, a big role in this. And we were talking the other night of how I, you know, 
I, I got my iPad and I went to use Google Reader and the experience over the browser on my iPad is really unsatisfying. And so uh, we were talking about Google Reader apps and the fact is that my experience of Google Reader um, is going to change because of the way I access it through an app. And then right. maybe your experience with Google Reader will be different because you're using a, a different app. And so I think, you know, you and you say, my experience of Twitter is different because I'm using TweetDeck or an, another tool versus looking at it online. And so that commonality of experience that we always seem to have on the Internet is really starting to change. And especially as we can, you know, in browsers, we have more add-ons, we have different ways and so of looking at things. And and so I think that that sort of basic experience of what, you know, what the internet is, what our technology experience is, has become so much more personalized and will become even more so. And especially as the apps tend to break that universal experience apart, that's really going to cause uh, you know, some, some interesting issues because my experience is not the same as yours. And, and that's why I think we talk about the legal tech multiverse. You know, it's the opposite of a universe and that commonality we had, especially the Internet, the sort of Windows interface, all that thing is really starting to break up as as our experience of all the technology becomes uh, much more personal. I, I, Tom, you use a lot more apps than I do, but did, are you getting that same sense of, of kind of that commonality starting to break up? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that it's breaking up in, in multiple ways because uh, I, I find that I, I'd like to think that I have a pretty good um, – I'd like to think that I have a pretty good handle on what the best apps are for an iPhone or for an iPad because I use those devices a lot. But then again, I can't possibly keep up with the over 350,000 iPhone apps that are out there and 65,000 iPad apps that they have. There's no way that I can think about that. I'm I'm a member of the Maxon Law Office uh, mailing list, and that that is, gets a lot of of uh, of talk every day about different types of apps for either iPhone or iPad. And people say, what's the best app for this? And literally you will get 10 different responses for people who have gone out and tried it and have made a very considered decision to say that this is what works for me in my situation. Now, if you then branch out, that's just part of this multiverse we're defining today. Uh, let's not even talk about the Android market. I, I think I have a general idea that Legal apps for Android are not as far along as they are for the iPhone uh, because I think the Android market is, in general, about, I'd say, a year to 16 to 18 months behind, uh, behind the, Apple, uh, the Apple App Store. But beyond that, I couldn't tell you what kind of apps there are. When I hear that people are using this app and that app, I've never heard of it because it's something on the Android platform. I feel very ignorant when people want to talk about apps for Android because I can only talk about iPhones and sometimes I feel like I'm being uh, pushed into a very small corner. And I, I think that, that this multiverse is, is creating more decisions to make, more choices, uh, and I think that it becomes harder to, to, to decide what we need to do. So I guess, I guess the question that I throw back to you, Dennis, is how do we start to get a handle on these kinds of issues? Yeah, I, I think it's really true. I, I I have that same feeling that you have, Tom, of of 
the ability to be sort of a general legal technology expert or an authority of any kind is becoming much harder to do. It used to be that I could say, hey, you know, I, I'm not really strong in litigation uh, apps because that's not what I do. Now I realize exactly what you said. If if I'm using an iPhone or an iPad and I'm using a Mac, then I'm, you know, it's not like I'm going to have another Android phone because I don't need two phones. I just need I just need one, and so I'm going to have that whole area that falls away from what my expertise is. And so I think I just think we're at an early stage in this. We just need to start thinking about. It. I, I when you look at our book on collaboration tools, I think collaboration tools are really at the forefront of of running into these issues because you're part of what you're always doing is how do I work together with other people who are on all sorts of different platforms, all sorts of different devices all over the world, uh, you know, lots of different things going on. And, and so how do we find commonality, you know, in a really diverse technology environment? So I think looking to the collaboration tools to give us some ideas about where maybe where the standard technology, legal technology products are going is a good place to start. I know that we always talk about just a basic audit, and that may be useful as for people to start to think about it, is what am I actually using these days, and, and how is that how is that changing? How do I need to think about it? And, and then, as, as you know, Tom, both of you and I were starting to allude to, is where do you find the expertise these days? You know, because, you, you know, if you said, oh, I'm going to go with Time Matters, I go to the Time Matters expert, in that sort of mixed Mac Windows environment, maybe I want some cloud-based support. Um, you know, how do I find somebody who can can do all of these things these days? And I think that's going to become more difficult. And, you know, you may find that you're going, well, if we're in the iPhone world, we need to go this direction. If I'm in the Android world, that generates a whole bunch of different choices. And it will it become the smartphone that drives a lot of our decisions more so than the computer. And so I don't know. I just see that we're at the forefront of what I think is going to be a really significant change, Tom. No, I agree. And I think that I think that ways that lawyers can kind of get their head around this uh, are to do a couple of things. I think that the idea of auditing, who are you and what do you want, uh, is incredibly important. Understanding what's important to you. Um, is it Mac versus PC? Are you an Android? Are you an iPhone? Are you a BlackBerry user? I think you need to explore each. And you probably have, to a certain extent, explored a lot of these areas. But as you see other areas in uh, you know, coming to the forefront, you need to make a decision. Is that for me? Is Does that fit into the current way that I have set up my technology for my practice? And then you have to absolutely stake out your corner, your part of the multiverse, and you have to stick with it. Like we talked about in the last podcast, you cannot fall victim to the next new technology because the same thing applies here. If all of a sudden you start seeing that, uh, that, that Macs are the way to go after you've put together together a very expensive and very carefully thought out Windows-based practice, uh, and, and you're doing that all the time because of how fast these new technologies are coming out, you're not doing uh, your finances any favors. So you have to, to, to pick and, and, and take that position and stick with it. And I think, though, Dennis, when we talk about where are the experts and, and, and how do we find out, that is a moving target, I think, because as 
we get bigger parts of the multiverse, um, then we find that there are more and more experts that are out there to help us. And so you've got to find ways to keep up with what's going on, whether that's listening to this podcast, whether it's listening to the other legal technology podcasts on the Legal Talk Network, whether you're going to shows like ABA Tech Show or other legal technology conferences that are sponsored by your state or or other organizations, uh, whether you're reading legal technology publications or going to blogs on certain types of topics, or whether you're finding a consultant uh, who might be able to help you in a lot of these different areas, I think you have to make that determination and say, all right, I, I need to, to keep up with this, but I can't let it take over my practice. It can't be the bigger part of my practice. I just need to find the right balance. But once you find that balance, I think that you just need to stick with it and keep up with what's going on, and that allows you to make more important decisions down the way. Uh, Dennis, to take us out of this segment, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think I convinced myself during this discussion that this is the biggest upcoming issue in, in legal technology today. Um, I see smartphones and apps and Facebook and that, that sort of breaking up the universality of, of the Internet, really driving some of these things. I mean, Tom, we might disagree just a tiny bit on, on – I'm probably – more willing to take a more flexible approach, uh, uh, you know, on some of these things, and, and maybe open and try some more things. But I, I think you're you're right on target that you, we're probably going to have to to pick one, you know, one sort of area that that locks things down and and becomes our area. So I just what I would tell our audience is put this definitely put this on your list of of technology trends to watch, and and maybe one of the big picture topics to put on your legal technology agenda for this year. Well, before we move on to the next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsors, Clio and Firm Manager from LexisNexis. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to introduce us to the world of cloud computing and how it can be beneficial to lawyers and law firms. Jack, we're hearing great things about cloud computing and its utility for law firms. Can you tell me why so many lawyers are excited about cloud computing? I think the most important thing about cloud computing from a lawyer's perspective is that it gives them the power and breadth of features that traditional desktop and server-based software uh, gives them without all of the IT overhead and inconvenience. So there's uh, all the benefits and none of the downsides of traditional desktop-based software and they're able to focus on practicing law with a really solid cloud computing platform behind them. So I think that's where you're seeing a lot of the, the excitement is they're now able to realize the, the potential of IT without all of the headaches. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS-70 Type 2 attested data centers. 
If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis for manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We always encourage questions from our audience, and we have one today. It is, what are a few of the must-have iPad apps lawyers might want to get started with? Tom? Well, Dennis, now that you have your iPad, and so we can have this conversation on a more equal footing, I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm going to talk in terms of broad categories, and and I'm going to talk about in, sort of in, in terms of, of being a lawyer and what you need as a lawyer. Uh, there are a number of legal-specific apps that I'm going to stay away from uh, in answering this question because most of the legal-specific apps I know of are either references, rule books, uh, uh, civil procedure rules, evidence rules, constitution. CFRs, those types of things. The ones that get a little bit more specific and, and are more useful tend to tend to go towards the, the trial lawyer and the litigator field because there's lots of those apps coming out. I'm going to stay away from that and talk about some real broad categories. In terms of productivity apps, you will need, a, a lawyer will need apps to be productive, to take notes, to edit documents. My favorite apps tend to be, uh, for note-taking purposes, I've got four that I recommend traditionally, although I'm looking at some others and, and, and I, might, I might choose those as well. Uh, Penultimate is a great app for taking notes. Notability is a good app. I know you, Dennis, like, uh, or, or at least download it. You may not have had time to work with it too much, but NoteTaker Pro HD is a good app. And then I do like WritePad because of its uh, interesting functionality. It has the ability to take your written words and convert them into text. Not perfect, but it so says that it's supposed to learn from its mistakes and, and, and learn uh, your handwriting over time. So that is intriguing to me. I'm also looking at, a, at an app called Notes Plus, and literally there are new Notes apps that come out every single week. So uh, like we talk about the multiverse, <laughs> take some time, see what's important to you, look at those apps. If you're editing documents that are typed, um, I think that Documents to Go, the version that's been around for years that you could always access on your BlackBerry or even on your Palm back back in the day, um, is is a good app on your iPad. You can access your Word, Excel, PowerPoint documents. You can view uh track changes that have been sent to you from other people. It's a good uh, a good document editing tool. In terms of reading and marking up your documents, I'll recommend two apps. One is Goodreader, and the other one is iAnnotate PDF. Goodreader reads any kind of file that you can throw at it. Images, uh, all types of Microsoft Office files, PDF files. Uh, I use it to go to meetings. I store all my documents within Goodreader. I can set them up into organized folders and then take them with me to the meetings. Um, you can then annotate those documents if you need to highlight things or put comments on them or mark them up in some other way. And then if you just want to work with uh, PDF files, if you've got case law or a pleadings or things like that, I love iAnnotate PDF. And then very quickly, because the iPad is also a fantastic content consumption device, you need apps to help you do that. Dennis was talking earlier about how using regular Google Reader on the web is not a satisfying experience. Check out either Mr. Reader or Reader with an R-E-E-D-E-R. Those are two apps, Mr. Reader or Reader. They're both, they both sync with your Google Reader account. They are fantastic apps, both of them. 
I also like Zite or Flipboard for more of the magazine experience. It takes, uh, they will take your uh, Google Reader account or your Twitter account or your Facebook uh, friends and show you what they're talking about in sort of a nice, uh, professionally look looking magazine layout. Those, in a nutshell, although I probably went too long, are my choices. Dennis, what about you? Well, Thomas, you like to make fun of me. I am the king of free apps, and it was a it was a banner day for you uh, <laughs> last night when I announced that I'd actually spent money on an app or two. Uh, so, I, I just suggest people go out there and explore what's in the in the, the world of, of free apps, just to kind of get your feet wet and um, and and kind of figure out what what you can do. I think your recommendations are excellent because they they go right toward the the ways you're most likely to use an iPad, note taking, those sorts of things that make sense for lawyers. I also look at, at some of the the, uh, the book reading apps are 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 really interesting because you can you can read your Kindle books on on your iPad. I just converted a big PDF file into an EPUB format so I can read it on on my iPad last night using a program called Caliber, which is not an app, but really an interesting thing to, a way to convert big PDFs into ebook format. Um, I think that that uh, Dragon uh, Dictation app, which is free as a speech recognition tool, is an, is a really cool idea of something to try early on. Um, I check for something that where you can experiment with what the camera can do. There's some you know barcode scanners. This uh, this QR code scanning uh, uh, apps could be interesting depending on if you do that. But I look look to kind of scout out some things and then also go in the areas of of your interest. If you want to fool around with music, then you know find find a music app. And there's a lot of great resources out there. But I would kind of get you know, get the app, you know, the urge to install a bunch of apps out of your system with free apps and, you know, in install a bunch and then you'll gradually work down to what you need and then and then identify areas where you really want something better and then, then start to, to buy some apps. But, you know, the, and the other scenario would be where you know you have an app that's a for-pay app that works with something that you're, you're using, say, a software program or otherwise, then you'll want to get that iPad app version of that, which may be a pay or, or it may be for free. Uh, so I, I, I think a lot of variety. Realize at the beginning, you're just going to install way too many apps, but just kind of indulge yourself a little bit and then, then it kind of phase back to what actually works for you. Tom? I think that's right. And, and I, I tend to suffer from the, uh, the illusion that if you buy a whole bunch of two ninety nine apps, you're really not spending a whole lot of money, and uh, I can easily find myself spending a lot more than I should because I look at it and I go, "Oh, that's nothing." Uh, but after a while, it sort sort of adds up. So I think that making smart decisions, depending on what your budget is, is is good. But I also agree, Dennis, that that. If you've got a service that you use elsewhere, uh, trying to find an app uh, of that service is far preferable to using it. For example, I'm a big fan of Remember the Milk. Remember the Milk is my to-do program. I use it religiously every single day, and I love working on it on my computer. Uh, it's it's very intuitive. It's easy to work with. I can deal with my to-dos every single day, but sometimes I want to get to them on my iPhone or iPad. There has been an iPhone app for a long time, but only until recently did they uh, did they uh, well actually only until yesterday did they introduce 
introduced the iPad app, and so now I'm happy to have that. I immediately downloaded it. It was free, so that's a good thing. Same goes for TripIt. I use TripIt to do my travel itineraries, and it just makes perfect sense that they should be on the iPad. But until yesterday, again yesterday, they were not uh, – they were not on the iPad. So keep looking. I recommend an app called App Advice. Can't remember if it's free or not. I think it is free. Uh, but App Advice has a daily list of not only the apps that they recommend, but also app guides for just about any type of situation you want. They are, to my mind, the best recommendation engine of iPhone, iPad, i anything apps that you might want to get. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. All right. I am going to, uh, I'm going to actually uh, use a tip that was recommended to me by Jim Calloway, uh, who actually is recommending a tip passed on to him by Ivan Hemmons at, uh, at ABA Tech Show. And it has to do with those of you who use Windows 7. If you've got Windows 7, it, there's a feature to it that is called Snap, and it will automatically take the program that you're using and snap it to the right or left of your screen so that you can snap something else to the right or left of your screen and work with those two uh, programs side by side. Very helpful. If you're just working with one monitor, all you have to do is grab the, the menu bar at the top and drag it up to the either left or right corner, depending on where you want it to be. And when you see what looks like a little drop of water or a little something like you're throwing a stone in a pond, you get a little drop there, uh, then release on the mouse and it will automatically snap to the left or right side. If you're using double monitor, it doesn't work so well by dragging it, but here's another way to do it that Jim found out, and that is just take the app that you want to snap, press your Windows key down, and then move your arrow in the direction that you want to snap it, and it automatically snaps into place, and you can actually, the way Jim talked about it, have four programs up in two monitors, and he's calling it have four monitors instead of two, and I think it's a tremendously helpful way to have multiple things open so you're not having to shift back and forth from window to window. Dennis? Um, early in, very early in my blogging career, I had I was fortunate enough to have two of the most amazing conversations about RSS feeds with a technology expert named Bill French. Um, just truly memorable, really influenced my opinion and approach over the years. Well, Bill has an, uh, is focused on the iPad now, and he has a great new blog called iPad CTO. It's just iPadCTO.com. And the idea is that he's focusing on the iPad and how you can use it in business and in the enterprise setting and a lot of good personal information on use of the iPad too. I, it's just really, he's a, he's a really interesting, sophisticated thinker and very practical at the same time. So it's, it's really a fascinating blog and I learn a lot of, a lot of things from, from this blog. So iPadCTO. A blog I didn't know about, so it is now a part of my Google Reader. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to the topics we discussed, are soon to be at our revamped show notes wiki at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Subscribe to this podcast in iTunes to help you navigate the new legal technology multiverse. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.